This is the Ask a Death Doula podcast, a platform of free education on how to have the best end of life experience possible by knowing how to live your best life now. With experienced hospice, oncology, and wellness nurse, Suzanne B. O'Brien. and welcome to this edition of Ask a Death Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you who may not know my background, I just want to share with you that I am a former hospice nurse, which is end-of-life care, and oncology nurse, which is cancer care. And I'm the proud founder of the International Doula Givers Institute. And we have made end-of-life doula trainings advanced care planning trainings, um, everything to do with, again, the end of life and how we can support this very fragile, vulnerable, and very large population with non-medical support. So welcome to Ask a Death Doula. Today on this episode, I am gonna share with you what is a death doula and the top seven questions that you need to know if you are interested in this field or you want to know more about end of life doulas i'm going to answer the top seven questions that people ask so first what is an end of life doula an end of life doula is a non-medical holistic professional caring for people before, during, and after the end of life. So not just for the person, but caring for their loved ones as well. So you might've heard of the word doula. If you know it at all, you know it as with association of birthing of babies. Doulas are, it's a Greek word in its origin that means non-medical person that supports another physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this is exactly what we need at the end of life. So we do all of this planning for the birthing of these beautiful babies, right? Sometimes even before we're pregnant, but we're not doing anything for the end of life. And so we know that 100% end of life will be part of our journey for not just ourselves, but for those we love. And we don't have the resources and the setup and the support um, and even the conversation at this point for what that looks like. And I'm here to tell you that death used to be revered as a sacred part of the life's journey. And I will share with you that it can go well, it can go very well with the right education, compassion, kindness, and support. And doula givers and this end of life doula, wonderful profession and service and platform is doing that, providing that gap in mainstream medical care for something that again is not a medical experience it's a human one so the first question that i want to answer again is what is a death doula and a death doula is that person that shows up to support holistically physically emotionally and spiritually someone else and their loved ones at that end of life journey so that is what the definition of an end-of-life doula is, a non-medical professional that supports somebody holistically at the end of life. Okay, what do end-of-life doulas do? So what do they do? There is a rainbow of an array of things that end-of-life doulas provide. So keeping in mind that it is a holistic profession, 
is something that is incredibly important because we are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. And again, I have had the privilege and honor of working with over a thousand people at the end of life in my career. And there's not one end of life that is exactly the same as another. But I will share with you that the holistic way that we are, not just that physical care that's needed, but the emotional care that comes with the end of life journey. What about the spiritual things that come out? So people might be a very um, strong in their faith in their whole lifetime. And at the end of life, there is a spiritual component that comes about now, not always, but a lot of times. And this spiritual awareness and what I call is getting your spiritual eyes and spiritual wisdom. There is something organically incredible about the end of life that allows a person, what I call again, they get their spiritual eyes to look back on their life's journey with a different perspective, a more of a higher vibrational um, spiritual, awareness that they can look back at their journey and they can make sense of things that happen because we all have it right this life i call it the school of life we all have those things that have caused us so much pain regret and guilt and shame and all of the things that come with this life's journey but many times we aren't able to process them or come to the understanding of what the the gift in that was um, and when we have our spiritual energy at the end of life coming about in a stronger way, there is that time period where people have that perspective and they can come to acceptance. They can come to forgiveness. They can understand many things in their life that they might not have beforehand. So again, not just the physical, so it's holistic care and support. So the doula, Understanding the three phases of end of life, which is first, somebody gets a terminal diagnosis, the shock phase. So many times, again, there's a shock presentation where people might be withdrawn, shut down, um, even angry, and different things that are happening in that initial space. So what we wanna do is we wanna show up. We wanna make sure that people know that we are here with them. We wanna ask what we can do for them. We wanna also make sure that we're handling all of the acute issues. Uh, what could those be? Pain, nausea, uh, things that need to be rectified right away. That's acute issue. Then there's the second phase of end of life, which is stabilization phase. And I also call this, it's really where the magic happens. And it is the place where we can get clarity about the life's journey. We can have conversations with people in our lives that we might not have gotten to. The forgive, I forgive you, I love you. Um, the real heart work that comes, and this is where when people have that stabilization phase, and usually forgiveness is the greatest tool in that space. The end of life part has been simply magical when people have had that shift. So you have shock phase and you have stabilization phase, and then you have the actual transition phase. And this is again, where people will have that body transitioning from this world to the next or whatever your belief system is. And there's many different steps and stages that each and every one of us will go through. And again, what's been such an honor is working around the world with different cultures and religions, and we all tend to shut down the same way. And we're all so much more similar than different. So end of life can be our greatest teacher about life. 
But there's many different steps and stages. So the doulas are taught what those are and also what interventions to use for comfort in each stage or just letting the family know that what they are seeing is a natural part of the end of life process and not to be afraid. This is incredibly important. So that's just an overview of what doulas do, but then there's so much more as well. End of life planning, vigil planning, planning for that sacred time that the body is in its last stages. Who needs to be there? What does that look like? And also now there's a whole movement on how we can celebrate this person. And also what about how we have our what, we, what they call disposition. Where do we wanna be laid to rest and how do we want that to look? And there's, I, I call like death is having a rebirth, but, but it's really beautiful and it's true. It's that all of these awarenesses are coming back that we have options and that we have options that are environmentally friendly, that are financially friendly, that are emotionally friendly, spiritual friendly. So we have choices and there is a new one. I'll just give you one example of aquamation. And what is aquamation? It's a water cremation. And it is the most environmentally friendly option. Also natural burials are really beautiful, but this is something that is coming about. We will be doing a lot of education and doula givers about it because it's a real environmentally friendly option. And we want that, right? We want to make sure that our choices, um, that we have choices. We want people to know they have choices and then we want them to pick what's important to them. And a lot of people are, again, we are waking up to the impact that our individual choices have on this beautiful earth that we have been able to be a part of living on, but yet it is in a very, very critical place right now that we need to really look at everything we're doing and what the ramifications of those choices are. So when we know that we have different choices and again, financially, people don't always have a lot of money for end of life, it shouldn't be an extra burden. We have to open up all these possibilities and doulas can help to do that. Offer different wonderful options. And um, you know, I can go, we'll do a separate podcast on all of the options, but just aquamation is a example of one of them. So really important. So do let's do all of that. We also help with, again, the after death plan, which is who needs to be there helping maybe somebody um, would love to keep their loved one at home and help to bathe their loved one and tell stories and honor them. And there's a whole movement of home wakes and making that possible. And there's a lot of beauty involved in that process as well. So again, taking death back and also death is having a rebirth in one of the most beautiful ways. So doulas do all of these things, share with uh, different families and patients what options they have. Also, again, making sure first and foremost that all of those acute issues are handled every single day because this person has an end of life. So every day their journey might look a little different. And if they're having increased pain, increased nausea, increased maybe emotional upset or whatever that may be, um, the doula is there to address those acute issues. And again, symptom management, close symptom management. I know this from being a nurse and watching the beautiful work that hospice does is that close symptom management can literally increase the quality of the day so high that sometimes my patients and families forgot 
that grandpa was having an end of life process. Why? Because he's been better now in the last six months than he has been in 30 years because of that incredible close symptom management. So doulas will identify the phase of end of life and also offer interventions to use for the highest quality of daily living every single day. All right. What is the holistic support that doulas give? So I kind of just talked a little bit about that. We take care of people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we don't just care for the person that's having the end of life. We care about the family and take care of the family as well. And one of the things I think that's very important to understand is that we only have one opportunity to have this end of life go well, just one. We can't go back and do it again. And if this end of life goes well, the family will remember that forever. And if it doesn't go well, the family will remember that forever as well. So there are things again that come up um, in the journey and the, a doula identifying where that person is in that day and handling those again, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And let me just give you an example uh, emotionally. So there might be a person who really is having a hard time with forgiveness. And maybe it's something that they want to be forgiven for. Uh, and a trusted doula is somebody, because again, building the trust and having no judgment are the pillars of our practice. We don't have the right to judge anyone. And so when we come up there just to be of service, to be of the highest service, to bear witness of this person's journey and to be of the highest, again, guide and assistance that we possibly can with no judgment, there's a, there's a beautiful bond and a trust that is built there. And just for someone to be able to share with you what is burdening their heart, or maybe again, a secret that they kept or something that they want to forgive their parent for something and they've been holding on to this anger their whole lives. So just sharing with a doula or doing a life review or just coming to terms again with talking it out allows them to find peace. And again, there's forgiveness that we all have to give and there's forgiveness that we all have to receive. And that at the end of life is one of the greatest transformational spaces that I've ever seen when somebody can say, wow, I really forgive that person for having, having hurt me. I forgive myself for things that I've done. And letting that go it allows for, again, the most beautiful end of life that I've ever seen. So that's an example of an emotional component. Physical, we know, we have pain, we have, um, and also holding on to emotional trauma can literally cause physical pain. So when I'm working with a client, if somebody's having high pain levels, that is not, it's not being addressed with the medicine that hospice is providing with narcotic. And again, if, you know, the medicine dose has increased, if it's not providing relief, I look for an emotional component to something that is weighing and causing physical pain. And again, that's where we would talk through things and go do life reviews and just really try and uh, get there in the process. And it really works very, very well. And then of course there's the spiritual. So I've had many patients at the end of life, you know, ask me what I know, ask me what I believe. And I never, we never impose our personal views on someone, but if somebody asks me, I'm going to share with them what I've seen. I'm going to share with them what I believe. I'm going to share with them what patients have said to me before they pass, because there is an incredible, beautiful space. And for me, what I believe, because I've sat bedside with so many people, is that, 
And it makes sense when it's science and it's frequency and it's the law of physics that energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change form, solid, a liquid, or a gas. So when people's physical body is getting less and less declining and their spiritual body, their essence is growing, then there's a certain place where they literally have one foot in this world and one foot in the next. And they've come back from these naps and they've told me incredible information. Um, and it happens so much and it's so beautiful that for me, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that this journey continues. It just continues in a different way. And I think it's extremely comforting for us to know that. Um, and again, I'm not telling you what to believe, but I'm sharing with you because I've been able and privileged to be with so many people at the end of life. And right now, death is the number one fear in this world. And it is causing incredible amounts of pain and havoc. And for me, the people at the end of life can teach us everything about how to live and what's important if we would just listen. So there's so much value to it. So the holistic practitioner of the death doula, physical, emotional, and spiritual. All right, next question. Are there national initiatives or, or organizations that support the death doula profession? And yes, there are. So in the last few years, you've had NIDA, which is the National End of Life Doula Alliance membership. It's a mem nonprofit membership organization for all of the doulas, doula trainers, and also organizations. And it has a national badge. So what does that mean and why is that important? End of life doulas, death doulas, same thing, by the way, they have the same scope of practice. And we're gonna talk about scope in a minute, but death doula is kind of the big buzzword out there, but it also can be titled an end of life doula, exact same thing. Right now there's again, and I hope there isn't going to be a government licensure like a nurse or a, um, you know, a nursing assistant or something of that with, which is a governor, government licensure. We don't want it to be a government licensure, why? So there's pros and cons to it. The pro of having it not be a government licensure is that we don't have any limitations on time. Your time and your presence at the end of life is the greatest medicine that we can give. So we know that we have incredible medical practitioners that are literally killing themselves to provide for the amount of people that they have to care for. and. At the end of life, it needs time and it needs presence. And it's not a medical experience, it's a human one. So having non-medical support to support mainstream medical is the perfect answer. And so that's the positive of having it not be a licensure because if it did, we would, and again, I'm a registered nurse, we would have a bunch of patients to see at once in one roster, one day, whatever it is, and then we would have a whole bunch of documentation to do within that visit. So for an example, when I was a hospice nurse in my area, in my hospice, which hospice is amazing, practitioners that do this work, everyone in the medical is amazing. It's because of the reimbursement guidelines that things are so fragmented and broken down that we have to see so many people for people to be reimbursed and for organizations to stay afloat. I would see my patients once a week for one hour if they were stable, if nothing was really going on. That's not a lot of time. 
And we found, and patients' families, they had said, we need, we want people here more. We need more time. And you can understand that, right? Especially because we don't really have any idea what end of life looks like as a society anymore, because it, we've gotten so far removed from this natural part of our life's journey. So patients and families don't know the first thing about end of life usually. And then when it shows up, it's really a fight or flight in a very stressful situation when they should only have to deal with the fact that their loved one is having their end of life, not everything that's added on. So for me, the ability to spend time and be in a patient's home, guiding that journey, reinforcing hospice teaching is absolutely invaluable. And that is what, again, not having it be a government licensure allows us to do. What is the downside of not having a government licensure? The scope of practice. And so when, and I've been doing this for a very long time. So when I would go to medical doctors and CEOs and tell them about this new suggestion, this new non-medical profession, they said, it's so great. It's fantastic. We need it. Perfect. But how do we know what to tell families what you do? How do we know what scope of practice you have that's that is again, a comprehensive with all end of life doulas and death doulas, because there are great trainings out there and great training teachers. The curriculums are completely different, many of the courses. So if I say I have a death doula training and doula B says she has a death doula training and C says he has a death doula training and they're all different curriculums that can be extremely confusing to not only patients and families, but to medical providers that will refer the end of life doula. So NIDA was put into place and that's the National End of Life Doula Alliance with a core competency badge and a scope of practice. So any doula can go and take that, sit for that assessment and get that national badge. So yes, everyone knows you're walking through the door with a skill set of X, Y, and Z. Beautiful. Another national organization is the National Hospice and Palliative Care End of Life Doula Council that was put together in 2018. And that is again, I wanna read verbatim what they do. They are an organization, um, well, I'm gonna read you a couple of things that I really want you to hear. But they are an organization that has put together an end of life doula advisory council because they are the membership organization to all of the hospices in the United States that put out the best practices, what they want their hospices to know, what they want the families to know, and again, affiliate organizations, what the role of the end-of-life doula is and how the end-of-life doula is an intricate part of the end-of-life care team, supporting hospice, supporting mainstream medical. It's the perfect answer to the crisis and the gaps in care that we have right now. Okay, next question. What is the projected future of the death doula movement? So this is something that I wanna share with you. This is very important. I think that we all just witnessed what happens at a time in our medical system when there is a huge need at once that the medical providers cannot handle, like we just saw with COVID. And this, these incredible people who are heroes and held us together, I, it's, it gets, it's emotional. We had so much need that it was just the systems were crashing and it's so unfair. So what are the projections? And again, I have been calling an elder care crisis for years. I've been calling that there is a elder population and we have a crisis for about 15 years 
that we don't have the setup for. And so let me give you a few statistics about the future because the projection of our elder population is that which is going to increase for decades decades to come. And at the same time that the population of aging is increasing, our mainstream medical professionals, doctors and nurses is decreasing, there's a shortage. So let's talk about a 2014 National Institute of Health released a report called Dying in America, in which they discussed the future of end of life care. This report declared that there is a need for professionals such as death doulas and to move forwards with person-centered, family-oriented, end-of-life care models. Very important to hear. We need to move forward with, again, kind of going back in time, with caring for people at home, which they want to be at home, but also having ways to support families to be able to do that. So more person-centered, we love that, we want to care for the whole person, family-oriented end-of-life care models, an increase in education and higher standard for advanced care planning, so important, and also better trained end-of-life care providers. Many end-of-life care experts agree that over the course of the next decade, there will be a great rise in demand for alternative care services in order to accommodate the aging baby boomer generation and keep people at home at the end of life, rather in residential care facilities and nursing homes. So important. And we've got to put structure in place to do that on many levels. So this was in 2014, and this projection is just growing and growing and growing. So that's one thing. The second, another question that I wanna answer is that, um, People may ask this, so death doulas, right? They sound and they are, they're great, they're holistic. Death is a human experience, it's not a medical one. So the question I get is, if I have a death doula, do I still need hospice? And the answer is yes, hospice is wonderful. Hospice is a beautiful model of care. They are the medical managers of end of life. Um, no one can ever replace what they do, however, it's great to have reinforced teaching done by the doulas. It's great to have people who are educated to know what to look like because end of life has subtle changes of the decline and for doulas to pick up on that and let the hospice team know that there's a change with Mr. Miller and to please come back and reevaluate him. He may be going right into his transition. He may be headed to a place where he's not able to stand or walk and we wanna prevent a fall. So think of death doulas as the support system to hospice, the non-medical practitioner, also the eyes and ears for the hospice team and reinforcing the hospice teaching, which is incredible. So do I need a do I need hospice if I have a death doula? Absolutely. Hospice is the medical manager. They handle everything, medication, the physical assessment, but you are the support system to Hospice makes a perfect match. And future of the death doula movement. So we just talked about the 2014 report, Dying in America. But let me talk about something that just happened last week. The Washington Post article, again, April 5th, 2021, titled Biden Job Plan Seeks $400 billion to Expand Caretaking Services as U.S faces surge in aging population. Thank you, thank you, 
and thank you. I have been watching people, the elderly, on the inside of hospitals and working with people and families and seeing how much people are suffering without the supportive care that they need. We have an aging population that is about 76 million people with 20% of that aging population not having their own children. We have got to have set up to care for them and people do not wanna be in the nursing home if they don't have to. Uh, so all of these things are super important. So Biden's proposal is putting in again, 400 billion to help create, and I'll read it. President Biden's jobs plans proposed a massive investment in home care for the elderly and people with disabilities as America's caretaking systems faces strain from the nation's looming demographic challenges, the increase in the aging population. The White House American Jobs Plans calls for spending about 400 billion over eight years on home or community-based care for elderly people. Here we go. So this is great. We're on the way. We are putting things, we're seeing the awareness grow. We need those practitioners. We need those educated doula holistic practitioners, not just for the elderly, but for the end of life to again, support families in that whole transition when that end of life piece comes. So it's coming and there's lots of support to it. So that's the projection, which is wonderful. And the final question that I wanna answer is how do I become a death doula? So this is what I always tell prospective students. There are fantastic trainings. There are fantastic teachers out there. And this is such a big, important moment. You know, we've had so many struggles in our world and there's so much heaviness, right? This is such a bright, beautiful space of us getting back to holistic care of this vulnerable forgotten population. So if you want to do this work, uh, first of all, let me just share with you, it's a calling. This is not something that, oh, it looks like it's a job security, the demographic shift, I know I'll have work. This is something that has to be in every cell of your being that you want to work in this space. It is the hardest work that I've ever done. And it is the most rewarding and fulfilling work that I've ever done. So if you want to do it, there are such fantastic trainers and programs out there. Find out the curriculum because the curriculums are very, very different. So what I say is always do your homework. You're making a time investment, a money investment. Find out what the curriculum is in that course, in that death doula course to make sure that it matches what you want to learn. And then find out who your teacher is. You wanna like them. You're gonna be listening to them and doing a lot of time of listening and working with them and you wanna like them. So find out who they are, find out their background. And those two things should really lead you to a very, very clear um, decision. Which course is right for you and how do you want to proceed in this beautiful space? I want to thank you so very much for being here and for again letting me know that you want these questions answered and whatever we can do to show up for one another, we want to do that forward together and we are making a huge difference in the world. So thank you for showing up. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. This was Ask a Death Doula. And if you have any questions, please post a comment. You can email us at support at doulagivers.com and you can find more about the trainings at www.doulagivers.com. Thank you, everyone. Love to you and have a fantastic day. I'll see you in the next video. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ask a Death Doula. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a raving review. Subscribe, share, and send your questions. See you in the next episode.